Aren't you glad you can say that you know it's amazing? There's a lot of folks that sing Amazing Grace, but you can tell by their life it hadn't amazed them too much because they're still hanging on to the world and the things of the world. If it amazes us enough, it'll change us. Amen. Didn't that Brother Andrew preach up a storm here, son? Yes, he did. Oh, my goodness. so blessed. Amen. So blessed. And I heard some really good uh, comments about the camp over in South, South Carolina. The Lord done some really good things. The devil must have got really mad because much of them got sick. So that's one of the best signs when the devil goes to fight and what God's doing, ain't it? I got some really nice text from some of the preachers over there. <clears throat> Actually, the administrators that was running it and all. Uh, been so complimentary of our youth group. Just really, really nice things. And I just wanted to give them a flower tonight. I said they didn't have one issue, not one problem, except Brother John Horniak. So we'll have to deal with him. Of course, they were only teasing. Amen. If our Christianity does not go with us everywhere we go, what good is it? If it doesn't have a representation of Christ, no matter where we are. I've preached many of those camps through the years, and I can tell you from dealing with the preachers that run it, Sometimes some of the young people who come there are nothing but headaches, nothing but troubles, one issue after another. So that makes me proud of those that go and they're going to get something from the Lord to be a blessing and to be a help. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to now, if you would, to Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. Now remember in reading this tonight that some people try to follow the book of Revelation in numeric order. I know a great preacher in the message that for years and years preached and said that Revelation 10 actually didn't apply to Brother Branham or the seventh seal didn't apply to us because he was trying to preach chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. And then after chapter 4, the bride was gone. So chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, on down through the rest of the chapters, didn't even pertain to the bride at all. But, of course, it was a lack of revelation from the brother. But we know that the book of Revelation is not written like that. It's written to where it takes a prophet to be able to take it and unfold it to us. And what we're going to read tonight in these first few verses, even though it seems like it's plumb over in in the tribulation period, yet we know that part of this actually applies to us. Now, the thing is that God called us out of was the system of the churches and of the world. And while it is yet in her, there is mercy for people to come out. 
And the prophet said, come out of her before it goes into him. Once it goes into him, that's it. So I'm glad we heard the voice. Amen. Amen. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. Now remember, which is chapter 16, 17. Um, and I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great. Now, Babylon is mentioned previously in the book of Revelation but not by these terms. But this is Babylon the Great. You remember reading, of course, if you know history very well, that there was a Herod and there was a Herod the Great, not the same man at all. So Babylon is mystical, but it's also spiritual and it's a natural place too. But this is Babylon the Great, is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils. Wow, what a terrible thing to have said about you. And the hold of every foul spirit. And the word hold there means prison or watch. Guard, persons keeping the watch. The place where captives were kept. So whatever this Babylon the Great is, it's become the habitation of devils. And it's a cage that holds other things. What are those things? What are they? Well, the prophet will tell us. I'll read it to you in a bit. Churches. Churches. So the systems are held in this cage here. A cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wrath, the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through her, the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, oh my goodness, you mean some of God's people were in that mess? I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities, which means they were not repented of. Because if you ever repent of them, he'll never remember them again. So whatever this was and whoever they were, they were doing all of this stuff and not repenting. Or if they were repenting, they were repenting contrary to the way of truth and God could not pardon them. I don't want him to remember mine. Aren't you glad that he's forgotten yours? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we count it such a, a privilege to be gathered together tonight. We love you so much. Lord, just, just to be able to gather with one another is wonderful. But together with one another in your courts, 
we're so blessed. Lord Jesus makes us so mindful to know that you're not limited to be able to gather with your people in just even a church building. I've shared it with them before several years ago that as I stood in Kenya and they had a school rented but there was a mix up and another group had it rented the same day so they would not let us have that room to be able to have church. So the saints made a makeshift small platform and they had hundreds and hundreds of chairs. They all sat out in the sun and they let me preach under the shade of a tree. But it didn't hinder you at all. You showed right up. As a matter of fact, I got a testimony from a young man not too many months ago that was at that meeting that had malaria. The doctors had told him he'd have it the rest of his life. But you showed up in such a way and healed that young boy that he was then, that he's been back to the doctors time and time. He's a curious creature. They want to still keep testing him. But there's not a trace left in his body. Because Jesus showed up under a tree. Well, I remember reading in the Bible there was another man that could testify about you showing up under a sycamore. And you raised your eyes and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. So we believe you'll gather here with us again tonight, Father. We're so needy of you, Lord. Please help us, Father. Speak to us from your word, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe we're certainly living in a great prophetic hour. But there's parts of prophecy I have no desire to fulfill. There's parts of the scripture which are allocated to certain people, such as Judas, such as Pharaoh, such as vessels of dishonor that I personally have no anointing that pushes me in that direction to be able to fulfill that portion of scripture. There are people that are anointed to be deceivers. There are people that are anointed to betray. There are people that are anointed to set even around where the truth is preached and yet they will journey along for a while and they'll stumble over something that is said and they'll begin to reason in their mind and then they will contemplate that they're not sure that this is actually the truth anymore. And then they will turn and go the other way and become a very enemy to the thing that they once embraced. But that's not my anointing. Let me say that's not your anointing either. My anointing is to say amen to the truth. Not only with my mouth, but with my life. And I'm glad that God has helped us to see that. But yet, we know, nevertheless, there are people who are called that will fulfill this side of prophecy as well. And we know that whenever God allocates his word, that he must have those that are, as we read it here the other day, that are vessels which are for prepared to dishonor. And on the other side of that, there are vessels that are prepared to glory. And we know that God is not unjust 
and that he will not allow people, if they want to be saved, they can be. But we also know that if he gave some people 10,000 years on this earth, at the end of that 10,000 years, they would still say, I hate God, I don't want nothing to do with him, I don't want to live for him, and this is the way that God can be able to make his program work. But because we have been called by God and we have been lightened, as the scripture says about this mighty angel of Revelation 18.1, notice how John, when he sees this in the vision, and he said, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. Now John, by chapter 18, has been visited by many different angels. And remember that God gives different angels different charges of his anointing, of what they are supposed to do. Some of them were actually earthly men that were anointed with an angelic anointing. Others were truly angels and they appeared like angels and they were not men, they were angels, angelic creations of God. And there were others that were fallen angels in that they had been uh, given the privilege to walk before God and then they made their choice to listen to Lucifer and they fell from their first estate. So there's all types of categories of angels. Even in the angels that did not fall, there are cherubims, seraphims, zunes, there are mighty angels and angels of lesser degree. We know even when Daniel prayed, and there was the monarch, the great angelic power that when Daniel prayed and he withstood the angel of God until God had to send a mighty angel, angel in rank, higher in rank than this fallen angel. Even though this fallen angel had given his power, his ability over to the kingdom of hell, a lesser angel in rank which had not fallen at the beginning could not withstand him. So God had to send another angel which outranked this demon. And Daniel had prayed and prayed and prayed. And he wondered what in the world was going on. And the angel told him, from the first day that you prayed, your prayer was heard. But God had to send an angel which outranked him and he finally warred and battled and warred and he broke loose. And while this one broke loose, there were other angels that were there still holding open the door that God would be able to answer Daniel's prayer. I wonder sometimes when we pray, and we call out on the name of the Lord and we wonder why that the Lord hasn't moved for us. I wonder if there's not a great angelic war going on in our day as well. So once you're praying, don't stop and don't give up. Just keep on asking because God is hearing your prayer. And we see then when we come to the book of Revelation that it will be the culmination of all of these angelic powers. A lot of folks, they look at the time of the tribulation period and they think that Satan is totally in charge. And in one way, that is true. But in another way, God also is going to be doing great mighty things in the tribulation period. As a matter of fact, the two witnesses of Revelation 11, they will have great power to control nature. 
So Satan himself is not the only conduit or the only power that will call for storms and all these sort of things. But Moses and Elijah will be able to control nature during the time of the tribulation period. So not only is Satan crowned on the earth, but God will be doing great things. And by that, I don't mean that by great things it'll always be good and it'll always be kindness, but it still will be great. Now, probably a lot of us here tonight, we've not yet learned how to give praise and honor and hallelujahs to God when God will bring vengeance and when God will do things that looks very destructive in nature. It's not the nature of human beings to be able to really grasp that as an attribute of God's love. Oh, I know our insurance companies and your policy, if you're reading it real close, you'll find a clause in there somewhere called an act of God. And they will identify typhoons, hurricanes, tornadoes, this and that and the other, and they will call them acts of God. But we know Satan is the prince of the power of the air. But yet there is an attribute of God that will move in justice, in revenge and in vengeance for his people. That's right. Now the strange thing about it is the real saints of God, as we'll find out in Revelation 19, that actually there is a call from heaven for the saints of God to begin to say these beautiful phrases, which is what we know as Alleluia. Alleluia. In other, praise Yah. Praise Yah. The heavens are called to do it. The saints are called to do it. The universe is called to do it. And the reason they're called to do it is because he has avenged the blood of his people upon this church that we're gonna talk about tonight. Now, most human beings without a revelation, they look at that and they think, oh my goodness, how in the world could a loving, wonderful, kind God do that? So you see, it takes revelation and understanding to be able to do it. Now, watch this. The prophet picks this up and why I am against organized religion. And if you haven't listened to it a while, it'll do you good. It's uh, preached November the 11th of 1962. Now, this angel of light, he said, remember the last angel. It's the angel in the church age of Laodicea. It's the Laodicea messenger. And he says, the very next chapter, chapter 19, is the coming of the bride. Then this last angel came to bring the light before the coming of the bride to go meet Christ. So here Brother Branham identifies the messenger of Revelation 18, 1 through 4 as the seventh church age messenger of Revelation 3, which is also the same messenger of Revelation 10, 1 and Luke 17, 28 to 30. Also Malachi 4, 5, 6. Also Zechariah 14. Prophecies of the Old Testament pointing to the coming of a prophet in the last day. Now, unlike some who will say they believe Brother Branham was a prophet, I think it takes more than just saying he was a prophet to be identified in the bride. I believe that it requires more than just saying, well, I come out of her, but I really don't feed on what he had to say. Well, you're not really the bride then because the bride is gonna feed on the message of the hour. 
Now, but yet we have preachers in our ranks and they say they believe Malachi 4 and they say they believe that this message was sent from God, but they really don't preach this message. They just keep going back to the same old Bible stories that we preached for hundreds and hundreds of years and really don't pull it through the evening light of the end time. Well, my friend, you're not preaching a rapturing message. In order to be in the rapture, it must be pulled through the anointing of the last day. Remember when the prophet preaches the seals and he sets up a box there, even the question answers, and he said, now this is the anointing, and he takes those four powers in Revelation, each one identified through a church age, and he said they could only work through that anointing that was released to them. Well, Luther could only respond to the anointing God gave them in their day. Same with Paul, same with Arrhenius, same with all the rest of them. And we will never be able to make it under the past anointings that had been released down through the ages. They were wonderful in their day. But we are the generation that needs enough faith to take a body change. Oh my, how we love the epistles of Paul, do we not? How, how we love Peter and James and how we love the New Testament. But think of it, friends. Those epistles did not contain the revelation to produce a body change. If it did, that first church age should have been raptured 2,000 years ago. If preaching the New Testament will produce a body change, I ask you, why did not the first church age go up? Why did they die? Because God was giving them what they needed. That was the anointing that was released for them. But it did not contain rapturing faith. It contained a faith that would keep them until their deaths. And then what would they need? A faith to believe that God would raise them from the dead. Which is not the same thing as a rapturing faith. So many of, of ours, mine, the last couple of years, we've had several of our saints to pass and go on. But yet we believe, I believe with all of my heart, there's people sitting right here tonight that will never face death, that will never die. You say, I'm an old man. I understand that. I'm an old man too. I'm looking for the come of the Lord every day that I get up. He didn't come today. Well, he ain't yet, but he might come tomorrow. If he don't come tomorrow, I'm looking for him the next day because I believe we are that close. Well, if, if, if the faith of just preaching what Paul said and just going back to that, it did not rapture them. It won't rapture me. I need a message that will bring rapturing faith. You need, you're sick, you need healing in your body, you need to be able to hear something that'll build your faith to a level of divine healing. Is that right? You need a devil cast out of you. You need lust or whatever it is you're dealing with. You need to hear something that'll build your faith that'll let you know that God's not dead, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we're gonna take a rapture, we need preachers to be in the word under the anointing of the end time to be able to preach to their people a message that'll not only help them to survive Laodicea, but defy Laodicea. Not just have enough faith to be buried in the ground, but have enough faith to be standing one morning and all of a sudden a sweep goes over you and your cells and your bones and your muscles and your hair and everything about your mortal body will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Notice in the prophet said it was the last church age message calling them out of Babylon. These churches were caught in the cage with her, 
with their dogmas, denying the word and accepting dogmas. But this is the angel of light to the Laodicean church. The angel of light to the Laodicean church. So what's he gonna do? He's gonna bring light. Now don't get in your mind that Brother Branham come to replace the Bible. He didn't. He said that the Bible become a new book, not a replaced book. Okay, well, we no longer read the Bible. I, I, I still preach justification, but I preach it under the opening of the seven seals. I preach sanctification, but under the opening of the seven seals. I preach faith, healing, deliverance, but what? Under the opening of the seven seals. Wesley prayed for the sick. My goodness, the man was out riding one day, going to a meeting, his horse fell in a hole, broke his leg, he got down off the horse, laid hands on the horse, and God healed the horse, and he went on and preached. They believed in divine healing. They had all kinds of healings and miracles in the days of the preachers of the haymarkets and they would go out there. They saw all kinds of supernatural. So divine healing is not something new. But we're not just preaching divine healing. I'm preaching a divine health that will take you beyond the temporary divine healing that'll move you into an eternal body where you'll never get sick again. Praise the Lord. Amen. You believe that? Now notice he said, and the angel's message, let's jump down here in the bottom part of this paragraph, the messenger come from God was echoing his message on the earth, which was come out of Babylon. Now notice again in Revelation 18 too, John said, he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now I want you to sing. This is how God looks at whatever this Babylon is. And it's amazing because there are billions of people on the face of the earth that belong to this Babylonian move and there are millions of others that don't actually belong to it by name but they are a daughter of the same move and they think it's so wonderful. It never ceases to amaze me how spiritually dumb people can be because something that God curses and something that God says is against his word and people will embrace it as if it's the greatest thing that ever hit the earth. You ought to thank God tonight for light. Now notice how vast whatever this is, how vast it is in verse three. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her fornication with her and the merchants of the earth. So she must be a move that has power with kings and she is a move that has been identified in all types of money-making schemes and all types of manufacturing and productivity and things that are bought and sold. I reckon who that would be. I read a few of these to you the other night. Most of you probably don't remember them, so I'm gonna read them to you again. 30 years ago, the Vatican Bank had $10 billion invested in foreign companies. Now, this is 30 years ago. You imagine what it is now. The vaults hold at least one metric ton of gold. 
$31 million was seized from the Vatican Bank by the Italian authorities during an investigation into money laundering. Now that don't mean they was washing their $100 bills, but they was trying to hide them from the government and being able to know what they had. $2 billion was paid out as settlements by the church for sex abuse cases just in the United States. $2 billion. In 2011, one offering the Peter's Pence brought in $86 million. One offering. $86 million. The Sistine Chapel offers a look at how difficult it is to be able to appraise all of this. Estimates range from 400 billion all the way up to $2 trillion just for this one masterpiece. Now I've stood there in this place. It is absolutely unbelievable and remarkable. And this is only one of their buildings that they own and possess around the world. So we're not looking then at a church that specializes in casting out devils, healing the sick, laying hands on them, baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus. But what we're looking at is a system and a church that has all kinds of money invested in schemes and bonds and stocks. Well, come on now. So it's not a soul-saving station. It's a soul-damning station. Look, friends, plain talk is easy understood. If you're expecting for me to water this down tonight and keep all this head from you, y'all don't know me well, do you? Notice this. The Catholic Church is the largest, topmost Christian organization which has an estimated wealth of more than $30 billion in 2022. Now, remember, this is only what's traceable. That's only what traceable. There ain't no telling what all they have. I, you ought to see some of the pictures that I've been able to find in the miles of caves and all that's underneath the Vatican itself of the wealth that was stolen from the Jews and stolen from different ones even as far back as World War II. And a lot of the treasures and the things that they have, oh my, and you know what? They think that's great wealth. One day they'll find out it's nothing. Estimation of its net worth comes from its ownership of properties, including churches, schools, presbyteries, hospitals, nursing homes, offices, tennis courts, and telephone towers. Wow. And where does that fit in the original thing? Go you therefore and preach the gospel. Cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. Can't you see, they are not interested in getting folks saved. Apart from this, Catholic development funds, Catholic church insurance, and telecommunications are the resource of their wealth. Oh my goodness. The Catholic Church is basically not one organization economically. It runs the largest network of charitable organizations in the world. It is never so easy to calculate the exact wealth of their foundation, but their assets are likely worth billions and billions of dollars. I guess that leaves us out. Anybody in here got billions? Really? Millions, thousands, 
Anybody got a couple of nickels you could rub together? <laughs> and you folks think you're worth something? You think you've got wealth that the world knows nothing about? Huh? Anybody here own a telecommunication satellite? Really? So y'all, y'all don't own no, no thousands and thousands of acres of property and, and you don't own any satellites out there and Elon Musk and all that can do this and that. Uh, the Catholic Church does all this and some of you uh, just barely get by and you can feel the pain of inflation every time you buy groceries and go to the gas station. And you have to worry about it, don't you? You know why? Because you ain't got a whole lot of wealth in this world. But aren't you glad you've got it laid up or inflation don't affect it? I'm so glad I, I'm not a rich man. I, I could have been a millionaire. Yeah, I could have been. I could have been a millionaire a few times over, actually. But I decided a long, long time ago, me and my little wife were sitting down on the porch of our single wide trailer down in Kentucky before you folks ever knew me. And we sat out there just talking about the Lord and his goodness and his mercy. And we said, Lord, we just sat there and prayed together and held hands. We said, Lord, we don't know exactly what you want us to do, but if you got something for us in our life, Lord, just help us to be able to do what you want. You want to put things in our hands, we'll put it back into your hands. You want to be able to commit this to us? Little did I know what my future held. But I realized a long time ago, it's not so much what you keep that makes you great. It's what you give away. You know, you'll never be rewarded for all that you've kept in life for yourself. Your reward will be for those things you've given away. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, some of you got quiet on me there. What happened? My goodness, some of y'all so tight you pull the hair plumb off of George Washington. (laughs) Notice this. The Vatican has billions of shares in the most powerful international corporations in the world, such as Gulf Oil, Shell Oil, General Motors, so when you crank your vehicle after church, rub it and thank the Pope. General Motors, Bethlehem Steel, General Electric, International Business Machine. You see, John did not even know who the Catholic Church was. He never saw all the business adventures that they were going to make, but he spoke those words as if though he was reading from Google the very things I read to you just now. But that's the way prophets of God spoke. They spoke when there was nothing there. They spoke when none of this existed. But they spoke with the faith of God and knew one day it would. And here you are tonight standing here and saying, my Lord, I live in that day. This day, this scripture is fulfilled. So if I get thrown in jail over this, I hope some of y'all at least come see me. As the largest non-governmental landowner in the world, the Catholic Church has amassed a diverse global portfolio of parishes, schools, monasteries, cemeteries, hospitals, care facilities, and combining to be an estimated as far as land and all of that, 177 million 
acres of property. This is only, as I said, what is traceable. Oh my. Bankers' best guesses about the Vatican's wealth put it at between 10 to 15 billion dollars. Of this wealth, Italian stock holdings alone run 1.6, 15% of the whole Italian stock market value is owned by the Catholic Church. No wonder when Russia bombs her, the shipbuilders looked at her smoke and they wept and they cried. All these people of industry and commerce, do you think they'd do that for us message folks? If something happened to all of us and they said, oh no, there goes all my money. Oh no, there goes all my telecommunication satellites. Oh no, yeah, there goes this and there goes that. We'd hardly even be missed. When we're gone from this world, hardly nobody will know we're gone. It'll just be a group of people that come up missing, swept out of here by the presence of God. And we'll say, goodbye world, goodbye. I've seen all this world I wanna see. What about you? Oh my. The Vatican has investments in banking, insurance, chemicals, steel, construction, real estate, oil, telecommunications. <laughs> There's just part of what I know they don't own and that's what's made in China. <laughs> they probably own that too. With more than one billion followers, the largest religion With more than one billion adherents, the Catholic Church is the largest non-governmental landowner in the world. They own equivalent to 277,000 square miles on the face of the earth. They better enjoy it because I'm fixing to take it over. And I won't have to fire one shot. I want you to notice as John, when he goes down through verse one, then to verse two, and on down to verse four. And he says, I heard another voice. Now, you'll notice this when you're reading the book of Revelation, that John to identify either another angelic being or another being of deity or another being that is being anointed on earth by an angelic anointing, he will use the word time and time again. Another voice or another angel. What is it? It changes from the one he just saw to another. Now it's moving from this seventh angel which has proclaimed with a loud voice, come out of her, my people. And he said, get out of that mess, get out of it. Now, I want you to notice that what the prophet said is going to be echoed from heaven. This shows the continuity and the closeness that this prophet had in relationship to God. Now, watch this in verse four. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. 
Now this is not that angel of Revelation 10 and the Revelation 18 one, but this is another voice. And what was this voice? This voice was from heaven. And he said, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not her plagues. You see, there is a danger in the timeline to where we stay into something so long that that becomes our identification of who we are. Now notice God calling to his own. Oh, I'm glad we heard that call. Come out of her, my people. Why? Because there's a timeline to where you cross it there. Be not partakers of her sins. Look at this word partaker. It means to come together with others or to have fellowship with a thing. To have fellowship. So you don't actually even, you know, totally agree with it, but yet you fellowship with that move and you don't stand against it. You see, the time is coming to where every individual must make their choice. And some people love the world of neutrality. They're just, you know, yell as they can be and they ain't got a backbone at all and that they just love neutrality. Well, I hate to say anything against anybody. I just love everybody. You know, I'm not gonna say nothing against no denomination. We got some of our jelly bone preachers in the message that do the same thing. They ain't got a bit more right to call to preach the gospel than a groundhog does. And they stand behind the pulpit and they polish every word and think it through and they ain't gonna offend nobody, even the devil. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I preach one sermon and it don't tear hell up, I need to repent of it. Ah, that's exactly right. I think we ought to preach, we ought to sing, we ought to live that the devil hates every day I live on this earth. I hope if I go by the way of the grave and you all have my funeral, that hell breaks out in a dance. My, they shout from one end of hell to the other and say, glory to God, that holy roller is gone. Wouldn't it be awful that whenever we're having your funeral that the demons down in hell are crying and sobbing like a rat eating onions and they're saying, oh Lord, oh goodness, I used her all the time in the church. I used him all the time in the church to cause trouble. What are we gonna do now? Lord God, don't let that be my testimony, but let them devils jump, let them shout, let them do whatever. Oh, we're so glad he's gone. He tormented us since he was a little boy. And once he come to the trueness of the Godhead, he tormented us a little more. I don't believe God just wants the preachers to torment the devil. I believe God wants every man, woman, boy, and girl that's filled with the Holy Ghost to let hell know you are here. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. And you were ordained to torment hell. You were ordained to torment the devil. (laughs) Now what's the prophet again in this paragraph 207 why I'm against organized religion? And he deals with this verse four. Look immediately after her mystery was made known, who she was, what she was, who her daughters was. The mystery had been made known, then God sent an angel, a messenger to what? Call out. Then he says, the message of the hour. So the message of the hour is not just God sent a prophet. But what did he have to say when he got here? That's the message of the hour. Don't just tell me God sent a prophet. Tell me what he said. Tell me what he said about living. Tell me what he said about gifts. Tell me what he said about going to church. Tell me what he said about how men ought to treat their wives, how we ought to treat our children. Is that right? Somebody tell me what he said. 
Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers with her plagues. Now listen, he said, he's going to curse her. Come out of her. God sent a mighty angel or a messenger and his light wasn't in a corner. It scattered over the earth. Come out of her, what? Her and her sisters to lighten the earth. Call these people out. Now you know that's the truth. A messenger was sent from God to call God's people out of Babylon and his light lighted the earth, the great Holy Spirit. Notice this angel is the last messenger before the coming of Christ. Myself, I'm not looking for another prophet to rise on the earth. I'm not looking for no Malachi 4.5.5 or Malachi 4.6 version 2. I believe we've done had that messenger. And I don't think God's got any pastors, any teachers, any evangelists on the earth that are sent to correct that prophet neither. Well, praise the Lord. What we're called to do is stand up and say what he said. Stand right there and lay it right out just the way he preached it. Don't water it down. Don't weaken it. Oh, Brother Donnie, people won't like it. I know they won't like it, but God will like it. If you say what God said, God will back you up. Look, friends, if God don't stand with me when I preach the truth, leave. If God backs up what men of God preach, Listen carefully to them. Follow the teaching that they're giving you because God will speak behind his servants. Notice he said, oh my, this, I love this so much. If we notice when he gave his voice on the earth, there was a voice echoed again in heaven. If you want to read it, the messenger on the earth was so inclined with God until when he spoke it on the earth, God echoed the same thing out of heaven. Wow, can you imagine how privileged we are to send under the, the message of a prophet of God in this day that he says something on the earth and almighty God says the same thing out of heaven and echoes the same message? Praise the Lord. Then I'll tell you one thing. To me, that ain't something to walk away from. That ain't something to take lightly. Well, I only want this and I only like that and I only want this. Not me, brother. I'll let God do all that sort of thing. I just want to believe it, obey it, and live it, don't you? And say what has already been said. Oh, my. What is the fourth verse translation? He said, what does it mean? God's voice speaking to his predestinated people saying, come out of her, amen. Just exactly what the voice was. He's got people all out in there, all out through Babylon. Come out of her that you don't be partakers of her sins, of her dogmas and the creeds. And this is what you're coming to. To the word made spirit and life. And what does the majority of the world, many of them even hear about this, Ah, oh, holy roller, cult, following a man. We don't deny that. Would you rather follow a man or a whore? Well, come on now. Look here in the book of Revelation. You're gonna follow a man, this messenger sent out of Revelation 18, or you're gonna follow this whore move? Well... Ah, goodness, I'll stay with the man myself. Notice this in the 19th chapter, he said, did you notice 
Here, after these things, watch, after what? The message of come out of her, then he said, is the shout of the bride saints with the bridegroom going to the marriage of the Lamb. Revelation 19 is whenever the great consummation of this takes place. Let us be glad and rejoice and make merry for the marriage of the Lamb is come. When does that come? After this voice calls us out in Revelation 18.4. Come out of her, my people. And it was a sign that we come out because we rejoiced and we said, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We heard the voice of God. We heard God speak through a man and we heard the same spirit of God echoing from heaven. Look, what did you hear when you heard the message of the hour? I didn't just hear a Kentuckian. I didn't just hear a man that never had a high school education. I heard a voice behind the voice. Something else, what was it doing? It was calling my name. What about yours? It was calling you out of that system you were in. And was not only doing that, it's calling you to separate from yourself. Hallelujah, God don't want me to just come out of the church. God wants me to come out of me. Then he asked this question. How close are we then, brother? What's the last call? Come out of Babylon. Now, my brethren, that's the reason I'm against it. Can you imagine now, this is a change in his ministry, the end of 62. He's fixing to go into another place and always God would tell him, come away from them brethren, sanctify yourself. Remember when the angels was gonna to appear to him, he said, separate yourself from them brothers. What was it for? A sanctification, a set apartness that God could deal with him. Oh, hallelujah. Now he's fixing to introduce something different. So he preaches this. Me, those great sermons at the end of 62. And then he consummates that. Was this is a sign of the end time, sir? And the vision of the Lord come and he began to see those seven angels. What was it? 63 was becoming a new turn. Something was fixing to happen. Little did he know that in February that seven angels would come in the constellation. And then in March, he'd come back in Jeffersonville and the breaking of those seals. When he went right back to the old notes that he had preached years and years ago and he said, I would have made a horrible mistake today, but the angel of the Lord come in the room and corrected me. Do you understand what those seals was? He said each angel came each day and made the mystery known which was only known to them. Don't you understand? It was the theophany as it was of Paul that come down on that first revelation on that first seal. Every messenger, church age messenger that must have been awesome when he saw Paul it must have been awesome when he saw Arrhenius but I imagine it must have been awesome when he saw himself. <laughs> well glory to God when the seventh angel come to the seventh angel and he began to reveal that secret that was made known in the last day the seventh church age, the seventh watch, the seventh seal, the breaking of it all, where? In your time frame, in your age. But you see, it's at the end of this that his ministry is changing. And this, of course, is when the denominations begin to say, he's a false prophet. He had a great ministry, they say, but he got off at the end, which is where we figure he really got on. 
You listen to him in 65 and you'll hear him say himself, it's not when the seventh angel first started out, but when he sounded his message. He said, Jesus was really loved when he first started out. Oh, Rabbi, come here. Rabbi, come there. But when he stood up and said, I and my father are one. Oh, Brother Branham, they loved him around the world. None of them could touch him as long as he just prayed for the sick. They didn't want him to preach because they didn't think he was called to preach. He didn't have no doctor's degree and wasn't even licensed probably by another organization because he turned his ministerial card in. So they thought all he was called to do was to be able to lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. They didn't know that what he was doing was casting out bait to catch the rainbow trout. Amen, all that healing, all that miracle, yes, it was absolutely wonderful, but he was baiting and getting ready. He's saying, amen, he ain't just saying the little men is on the top. He's after rainbow trout, rainbow covenant people, and that sign will get their attention, and they'll hear it, and then they'll sit there under the presence of the word, and all of a sudden, the light of God will begin to break forth on the sea gene in their soul, and they'll say, I see it. Glory to God, I see it. I see what he's talking about. Oh, God, I see it. And all many of them got was the fish. Your name is so-and-so. You went to a doctor. I see your doctor. Heavy-set man. Got glasses on. Don't you live on 22nd East Street? Your doctor's a heavy-set guy. This, you was there three days ago. I mean, they're just sitting there just gobbling. Line, sinker, hook. But it become to where the discernment was an entertainment. And whenever he'd rest himself in the prayer lines and pull the gift of discernment over and just lay hands on them, then what would happen? People's faith would start down. down. Now, friend, don't do that. He's still here. He's still, he's still here. And then he'd come back again. Now, brother, you know, you've got this and this. And boy, their faith, watch their faith. It would climb right back up again. But look what it was doing. It was building upon entertainment. And that's what he said. He had to apologize. He said, God, forgive me. I pointed to the sign. I pointed to the sign instead of the city. He said, if you're going to a certain city and you come up and there's a sign there. And he said, you don't stop at the sign, but the sign is pointing you in the direction of the city. And he said, God, forgive me. I I pointed the people to the sign when I should have been pointing them to the city. Oh, don't you understand when he come out from under the first and second pole and went into the third pole, what was it? Pointing to the city instead of the sign. But you see some of the carnal-minded message people, they're still pointing to the sign itself. It's time we get a hold of ourselves and realize, amen, it's the city we're looking for. So with this phase, people start leaving him. They start pulling away. I always knew there's something funny about him. I knew he was really weird. But he just kept right on preaching. I imagine he got so discouraged. He wrote a letter in 1962 to a brother down in North Carolina. Parker Thomas was his name. He begins to explain to the brother how the gift began to change and how, as the word went on, revealing itself, that the people started pulling away, pulling away, having no more to do with him. 
by the time it got to the end of his ministry, a lot of the doors had shut in his face. Lived in Tucson forever so long. Hardly none of the preachers would invite him to come and preach. Can you imagine Brother Bram living in Johnson City and us not inviting him to preach? Well, what did they miss? The voice of Revelation 18. That offends me. Oh, he, he blasted my church. Oh, he, he, he told me I'd have to quit cutting my hair and I'd have to do that. that. That offends me. Just pray for me to get well and mind your own business and don't tell us what to do. But he just kept sowing seed. Sowing seed. I know you know this, but you realize many of the great sermons that we listen to on tape were preached at Ramada Inns. The rapture sermon was preached at the Ramada Inn. Brother Earl Williams told me he was there. The people were standing in the back of the building. You were too, Brother Harvey. Brother Earl told me that the people were standing in the back of the building, waving their hands, trying to get Brother Branham to stop. I'm glad he didn't. Now, they'd had a meal there that day, a breakfast or dinner, whatever it was, and Brother Bram just kept right on going. Oh, I'm so glad he kept on going. Oh, my, right there in the Ramada Inn, when the first time the revelation struck the earth about the mystery of the rapture, it wasn't in a church, but a Ramada Inn. There was room for Jesus in the inn then. There's room for Jesus in the inn now. Notice this in Revelation 18:5. Her sins have reached unto heaven. Her sins have reached unto heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. It's not so much now that the sins are accumulating in a mass or a pile and they're piling up in one pile, but they become so great. You know, there's difference of times in the Old Testament. God come down to check Sodom and Gomorrah to see if it was the way it sounded and the way he'd heard. Remember Genesis 4.10, speaking to Cain. He said, Why has, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And God heard her sins. God remembered her iniquities. God remembered every time John Tetzel went through the time of the dark ages and started selling novenas because the church needed money. So John Tetzel is the Catholic church representative began to move from one city to another and come up magnified the ideology of being able to pray your family out of purgatory. So you imagine you got an uncle that died and he wasn't right, wasn't ready to meet God. And your leader comes and tells you if you'll give us so much money, we'll get him out of purgatory for you. Now maybe if you didn't have enough to pay the whole cash bail, they would at least try to shorten his time there. I'm glad we Bible believers don't even believe in purgatory. Brother Ram said there is a purgatory right now, but it's, it's right now we're going through it. We're being purged by the washing of the water of the word. 
But can you imagine you've got money and you say, my daddy's there in purgatory. He's there if I'd give him $500, we would say, it would cut his time in half. Well, who wouldn't that had enough money wouldn't do it? So they started selling these indulgences and novenas. God said it started reaching up. So they got a saint for protection and they got a saint for health and they got a saint for this. My luck, I'd forget which saint it was and I'd call on the saint of broccoli and me needing a deliverance for something. Oh, aren't you glad you've only got one name to remember in the time of trouble and in the time of difficulty. It ain't Saint Cecilia for a headache and Saint John for this. It's the all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It casts out devils, it heals the sick and it don't cost you one penny. Hallelujah, he purchased it for you. I tell you, when I read this, it seemed to just shook me. Where John said, and God has remembered her iniquities. Lord God. You see, remembrance of iniquity signifies a level of non-forgiveness. Lord children, can you imagine how much sin we would accumulate in a lifetime of just a mortal? If we lived 55, 60, 65 years old, whatever we'd be, and it would be an accumulation of stuff every day that we did and we had to stand before God at the end of our life with no blood to wash us, Brother Jim. Can you imagine how horrible, how wretched we would be? And yet this system has been alive for hundreds, almost 2,000 years. So her monks, her Jesuits, her bishops, how many little boys have they fooled with and ruined them for life? Don't sit there and look at me like you know what I'm talking about. What about those they've damned to hell? with their false doctrine. So you do something wrong, say 13 Hail Marys. Hail Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now the time of our departure, amen. So you repeat that 15 times. What good does it do? Not one bit. So it's accumulated through the dark ages. Accumulated when Luther saw the light of the Reformation. But now God says it's got so accumulated. I remember. Now grace has left the sanctuary. Mercy's gone. God says, I remember little boy, every little child you molested. Every woman you told her to pray and say, Hail Mary. The rosary. You imagine Peter having a rosary around his neck. Oh, come on, don't sit there looking. Oh, I know some of you all just your Fox friends favorites, but if you ever listen to them, some of them people are very close. They pray to the rosary like any other Catholic does. Don't make them people your hero. Make Jesus Christ your hero. Amen. Oh, Brother Donnie, Fox and friends, I'd rather have Jesus and his friends. They're real friends that'll stick with you. Oh, my. So the punishment of the sin is brought about 
by the remembrance. Lord, have mercy. I'm so glad I won't be punished by my remembrance. Anybody in here tonight remember things you've done wrong that you wish you hadn't have done wrong? And you wished somehow the Lord, Rusty Goodman used to sing a song years and years ago, Lord, paint my mind with the blood of Calvary. Why something in the song, in the heart of that artist, what not only sold to be painted, but his mind. Why there he began to relive those failures, those mistakes, and he wanted to get past it. But I'm so glad just because I remember, he don't. Praise God. You see, that's one of the, the revelations of justification. Luther preached justification. It was wonderful in that light. Friends, we preach justification not in the same light Luther did. We preach justification that it's not you're forgiven from it. You never did it in the first place. Luther did not preach it that way. Why, how can we preach it that way? The opening of the seven seals. Hallelujah. It's not like, well, God will forgive you, but he'll always remember. No, justification under the seven seals was that seed gene inside of you never done it in the first place. It wasn't you. It was that old nature you was married to, but you never done it. Where did we get that at? Under the evening light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then what does that do for us? It brings us down to invisible union. That he took your old book of divorcement. Hallelujah. He didn't just hide it under his arm and say, all right, I'm gonna watch Ryan now. If he messes up, I'm dragging out this book. No, that's the way we do one another. And you husbands and wives that'll get into arguments and forgive one another of this and that and the other, and then the next argument, you bring it right back up again, shame on you. You need to forgive and you need to move on. You need to move on by the grace of God. Don't be like the devil. The devil is the one that brings back our sins and our mistakes, but we need to move into the realm of God's grace and mercy and forgive from our hearts. So God remembered. But God has just allowed a group of people now by the time this is going on to come into his presence. And he looks at them and said, honestly, I don't ever remember you being anything but my son or my daughter. He's not acting. He's not just saying that because that's, you know, it just sounds good. He honestly cannot remember. God can do so many things, but the blood of Jesus is so powerful. It erases our past, and he cannot recall it. It's more than my little puny mind can comprehend anybody in here with me. But it's not like it's just, well, I'll just, I'll just act like. He's not acting. His mind is so released from our past. 
Me and Carol will sit and have heart-to-heart talks from time to time. We sat and had one not long ago, and she said, thank you for loving me. And she said, I'm, I'm sure that I've, I've disappointed you so many times. I said, probably not near as many times I've disappointed you. <clears throat> she said, I hope that you can find it in your heart to forgive me for every time I've ever hurt you or disappointed you. And I said, Carol, to be honest with you, Mainly all I remember about you and about our marriage and about our time together, it's not your failures. It's not your shortcomings. It's about what a great friend you've been to me. What a companion you've been. What an encouragement you've been to me. And sometimes when I just absolutely felt like walking away from the pulpit and never preaching another sermon, so discouraged that I didn't feel like even doing it again. I know some of you find it, may find it hard to believe. But I have been so discouraged at times, I didn't even have the strength to study. I sat just a few weeks ago with my laptop in my lap. I was so distraught and so discouraged. I couldn't even study. I had four Microsoft windows open with different things going. I had four different message windows going, four different Bible windows going, all different kinds of things open. And I sat there and I sat there and I looked at it. I just thought, I just can't do it. I closed the lid on my laptop and laid it down beside my chair. I sat there and started shaking uncontrollably. My feet were shaking in my chair. My face was shaking. My hands, my whole body went into this convulsion of sitting there shaking. Why? I was so discouraged. But you know what that little woman of mine does? When she sees me discouraged, she'll get in my face and she'll say, God calls you. Don't you let the devil defeat you. Hallelujah. So if the Lord puts it on your heart some Wednesday morning at 3.30 in the morning, don't call me at 3.30, please, because I might have just went to sleep. But to write me a card or send me a text, obey him, because you never know what I'm going through. You never know that person that God puts on your heart. Oh my. So you see, when God calls us, he don't eradicate all of our humanity. You imagine Brother Branham, Brother Charlie Cox told me one time that Brother Banks Woods lived right next door to Brother Branham. He went into his house and Brother Branham was sitting there with his head down in his hands crying. And he asked Sister Media, what's wrong with him? What's, what's wrong with him? Is he sick? She said, he don't know if he's called a preacher or not. Elijah. But you see, one day, all this humanity will be laid aside. And I'll finally be able to have a mind that's like God. 
I'll never again remember my weaknesses, my failures, my mistakes. And neither will you. Stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen in Revelation 18.6. Reward her even as she rewarded you. Double unto her double. According to her works. And the cup which she hath filled to her double. Wow. So this is how God is going to deal with this. God says give her double of what she's done. Reward her double. Well, you think about it on the grace side. Jesus said we'll come up before in that day and say enter into the joys of the Lord. You have been faithful over a few things. But I'm going to reward you with many. Our little position in life will be so small, no doubt. We'll live our life and go. And in, in, in a few years, even if you're a great preacher, just a few years and people hardly even remember you. You'll be gone, just back to the dust as far as the body. Your memory will fade in time. It's just the way it's always been. But what little bit that we've done for the kingdom of God when we stand before him that day, it will be so great in his eyes. That's on this side of grace. But on the other side of grace, when you have sins that aren't forgiven, he says about these people, double. What they've done, double it. Let me jump over here just a little bit. This is how I can have confidence in what's fixing to happen in this last days. That God, listen to this. Remember I say this as God's prophet. The Russian Empire. Now remember, not USSR. The Russian Empire will drop an atomic bomb of some sort. That's another way he says this. Of some sort on the Vatican City and destroy it in one hour. Thus saith the Lord, she will be destroyed in one hour. And while that's going on on here, You'll be up there in another dimension. Then in that realm, you won't be able to remember your past either. Wouldn't that be awesome just to wake up in the morning and all of your past was poof, just gone. Couldn't remember one mistake. Well, that, that would pretty much be heaven on earth, wouldn't it? <laughs> would never remember any bad thing. Brother Levi, nothing we've ever said or done or whatever it is. Oh, my. Be faithful, children. You will. You will. Lord Jesus, we may go through this life, Father, and never be important people. No doubt the majority of your people will never be in the who's who. They will never 
receive a personal invitation from the president to come to the White House or some senator or congressman come to their home and visit them. Most people will just never have that type of acknowledgement. But yet, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty God, come down to this earth to take our sin upon himself. Oh, Jesus, how we thank you for that. Lord, I know tonight if our sins were to be remembered, there wouldn't be a one of us in this place or one under the sound of my voice that would want to stand before you and give an account of our sins. And what makes us different? There's not a doubt in my mind these popes, these bishops, these friars, these monks, they've read in the Bible. They know Acts 2.38. They know it, but they turn it down. And they say the Bible is not what's important. It's the church. But when the church has been annihilated with an atomic bomb, you said heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So, Lord, we don't want to be a part of this Babylon. We want to be a part of that word. Because if we're a part of that word, when Rome is destroyed, when our nation fulfills the seventh vision, when Russia blows our nation into such a position that the last thing the prophet saw was craters and smoke. He didn't say anything about seeing one live human being. Lord, we know with the Satan too, Russia's great, powerful missile that can carry up to 10 warheads was many more times the kilotons of power that was in the drum on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And when it comes up in the atmosphere miles above the earth, chamber will pull apart and each warhead will be programmed one to Chicago one to Washington one to New Mexico one to Oak Ridge we have nothing in our armory so far that can be able to even catch it it'll move so fast Lord God I'm so grateful that we're going to be hid Hide us, O rock of ages. Let the world laugh at us. Let them make fun of us. Oh, Jesus, let them call us names. But let you call us out of here. That's what we're waiting for. If there's one here tonight, Lord, who needs the Holy Ghost, if there's one, Father, that there's a sin that hangs over him, and it's not so much in the past, but it's in the present, Lord God, help them, I pray. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God help us as your children that every sin, every shortcoming will be brought under our feet by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Lord, for some who still live in that world of their past, and their memory so imprints upon them. And Lord, they'll hear a song going through Walmart and through Lowe's. 
and it'll carry them back decades ago when they were drinking and this and that and the other. I pray you'd help them, Lord. We know those things are there imprinted on our mind. But, oh, Jesus, may we be faithful to one day our minds will finally be changed, painted with the blood of Jesus, as it were. Then we will no longer ever remember being a sinner, but all we'll ever be able to remember. Then we'll be birthed into that word-formed body, which was ours, and in there we'll know all things. And it's as if though our past life will cease to exist in our memory. I don't know how you'll do it, but Lord, the prophet said we'll all get together in just a few moments. He knows we'll be looking around to see if so-and-so made it or so-and-so. And then after we greet one another, something will happen to our minds. And if mama didn't make it, brother didn't make it, sister didn't make it, it's like that association of them in our life and our mind will be forever settled and separated. And we'll never again think of them as brother or mother or father or uncle. Heaven wouldn't be heaven as long as we had to think that way. But it's like we'll be born into a new family, the eternal family. And then all that we see will be our brothers and our sisters. Praise God. And it's like we'll never have any association. Well, mama didn't make it, and daddy didn't make it, and uncle didn't make it, and baby didn't make it, child didn't make it. No, it'll all be gone. Oh, praise God. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, I don't want to wait till Revelation 19. I want to just go ahead and start saying them praises tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Jews say there's four different categories of psalms written in the Psalms by the psalmist David. Four different categories of Psalms. And for those who study it, they say the most precious, holy one is that one which incorporates the word Alleluia, Yah, by him whose name is Yah. Praise to Yah. So one day, the four great hallelujahs will begin to sound of Revelation 19. We can't sound them until the time arrives. But we do want to sound the hallelujahs while we're down here in November the 2nd, 2022. We can say, hallelujah, he saved me. Hallelujah, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah, I was blind, but now I see. Praise the Lord. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, children of God, puts it on your heart to witness to somebody in some system. Don't hold back the light you've got. And don't, don't think that you... That everybody you witness to, you might make them brides. You might, you might not. But you might, God might use you to help get them out of her before it goes into them. My, I, I'd rather them do that and be foolish virgin than not do nothing at all. Remember the grace of God spilled over beyond the Lamb's book of life over into the book of life. That's the one that he says, whosoever will, let them come and take 
That ain't you. That ain't you. He foreknew you before the foundation of the world. He called you and chose you before you ever even chose him. Oh, praise the Lord. Can we just love him a little bit? I know we've got to be out of here and we have to watch the time, but we've got a little bit of time to praise him before we go. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing some for us, hey. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just give you praise tonight, Father. We worship you, Lord. We worship you tonight, Father. Closer, Lord, to Sing it now. Let the world around me let it fade away. Let us not pay no attention to what they say, Lord. Jesus, draw us close. Draw us close, Lord. Close, I desire to worship and what? Obey. Obey. Amen. We sing it again. Oh, Jesus, draw me close. Let the world around me, let it fade. tonight there's several that couldn't be in the service because it wasn't feeling well some having symptoms and we want to offer prayer for them tonight I wonder if you just take and lay your hand on the person sitting there beside you they may not be sick but maybe they're one of the ones that find that mind battle so much of their past I know some of you do because you've talked to me about it it haunts you it torments you may the spirit of God help you tonight to be delivered from that tormenting devil Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to offer prayer, Father. Some of our young people attending the camp meeting there, or the youth camp, rather, in South Carolina. And Lord, some of them battling symptoms and sick. And Lord, some of the family members couldn't come to church that wasn't feeling well because they wasn't sure if they were exposed to something. But we pray that you'd go to them tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God touch each one of them, Lord. Father, we know the doctors are dealing with so many different things right now. I pray you would help them. Help the people in the medical field, Lord, to know how to treat all these people. Lord God, we have our hands laid one upon the other. I ask you tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus, 
May the Spirit of God bring healing and deliverance through this place right now. Oh Lord God, you're the same one who showed up at the Ramada Inn and uttered a message of the rapture which had been on your heart since the Gentile dispensation broke. You had been waiting for years to speak it and you broke it at the Ramada Inn. We're so thankful for it. We're still feeding on it to this day. So would you pass by the Holiday Inn tonight in Johnson City? May the Spirit of God move for your people here tonight that are sick, those that are weary, those, Lord, that their past haunts them. And Lord, somehow Satan tries to make them fear that some of those things will be brought up against them. But Lord, I ask you that you'd make that revelation so real to them tonight. If once confessed, oh Lord, that it can never be brought up again in your presence. Oh Lamb of God, would you move for everyone, no matter what their need is here tonight. Father, I pray you'd pass by my way, Lord. I need you here tonight, Jesus. I pray, oh God, I thank you for your healing virtue. I thank you, Lord, for being a mighty God that comes by and helps us, Lord. Touch your people tonight, Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the believing saint said, Amen. let me tell you how God works. There's a sister down at Brother Tim's church and she was a little girl, young teenager. She'd entered into a rebellious stage in her life. Her mama wanted her to go through the prayer line that Brother Branham had in 65 there in Shreveport, I believe it was. And whenever she had been doing some things that wasn't right, she got in the prayer lines. Her mom and daddy didn't know she was doing these things. She was scared teetotally to death because she had done seen that prophet call people out and tell them this and that and the other. Well, from the time she got in the prayer line till she got up to where Brother Branham was, she repented. And whenever she repented and got before that prophet, not one thing was mentioned about her past. Amen. Now that hadn't been repented of 45 years ago. It just happened 15 or 20 minutes ago, but it was so taken care of that God couldn't even show it to his prophet. That's the Jesus I'm talking about tonight. Oh, don't hold on to your sins. Don't hold on to them. Confess them. Confess them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, don't you love him? The Bible says some men's sins go before them and some follow. I don't want mine to follow. Amen. I want mine to go before me. Let me take care of them now so I can be there that day without spot or without wrinkle. Brother God bless you. Don't you never forget this. I love you. And Jesus loves you more than I can ever start to. I just hope you love me. Jesus draw me
that's your desire this evening. Amen. Certainly, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Have you enjoyed the word of the Lord Amen. this evening? Amen. Don't forget this weekend you set your clocks back an hour on Saturday night. So if you don't do that, you'll be here an hour early for church. So <laughs> if you get here an hour early Sunday, just start praying. <laughs> Amen. Let's sing that song as we're dismissed tonight. Won't it be a time? I don't know what key we sing that in. Let's sing that talking about heaven, getting us homesick Amen. to be there. Oh, won't it be a time? Oh, won't it be a time? Won't it be a time? I love